0: someone said something along the lines of we're just inefficient and we're scattered and then what you do is you ask them the question what would happen if this wasn't solved for you and it's really powerful because then they literally are like diagnosing themselves with a problem my name is dimitri and i'm a productivity and
1: systems enthusiast i'm chance i'm a philosophy and self-development enthusiast and you're listening to the rise productive podcast the show where productivity meets business and what it means to
0: build better systems enjoy the show if you're listening to this you are not on our private subscriber feed and you will only be hearing a portion of this episode if you'd like to listen to the full length episode you'll need to go to riceproductivecom membership or sign up on your favorite podcasting app for exclusive access from there you'll also get access to our exclusive newsletter the weekly pour over our private members only discord community and any other subscriber only content so if you enjoy what we are doing here please consider becoming a member i really want the airpods pro twos
1: you're ready you're ready to make a big purchase mr minimalist
0: dude listen all right listen listen all right i never bought this is how i am i never bought these airpods you stole them i got these for free i didn't steal them. what do you think who do you think (laughs) i am i mean not yet uh, I'll find a way to steal a pair of AirPods Pros 2s. So that's how i get those. But for these, no, I was very fortunate that my dad won them at a, at a raffle. Homey homie gets so many things for free. Have I ever told you how many things my dad gets for free?
1: I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, actually. You did tell me about that before. So every time he goes to it, he's like, yeah, I'm going to a golf outing. Oh, have a good day.
0: Comes back. Anyone want uh, Sony XM3s? the the like three hundred dollar sony headphones yeah wait those are the 300 bucks yes uh, i can't wear them because i have the ear thing but i mean he's like oh i guess i'll use them for uh for calls if i'm ever working from home i'm like what the f am like this dude just he just like he just walks into a place and goes i guess i'll put put in money for raffle and every single time Every iPad he has ever owned was one at a raffle. He's had three iPads.
1: That's so nuts. Three iPads? Who needs that? He's
0: <laughs> I'm like, this man didn't need to upgrade. Imagine just never needing to upgrade like your main uh, device that you kind of casually browse things on at home because that's what he mainly uses. He has never had to buy one for three different periods. He had like six years first iPad, three years, second iPad, three years, third iPad. I'm like,
1: what do you, how do you, are they rigging these for you? That's so sweet. Especially, I feel like your dad is probably one of those dads that has like the dad energy where it's like, they just step up to any like <laughs> low stakes game and they just win. Like I've had a couple of my friends' dads that are just like, no matter like what the game was, it could be like pool or like, shooting hoops in the backyards like they're just going to sweep you with that mediocre level of like <laughs> college like intramural sports experience. I mean,
0: it's one even step above that. I mean, Homie Homie was a big football player, you know, he played football on a football field with a football. So, um he was an athlete. Um don't know why I turned into a weird Pat McAfee like southern impression. But he was good at sports and now he is very proficient at winning raffles and another thing i have never seen this man have to part had have to park far away for something
1: oh that's just luck
0: i don't know what it is he every single time i'll be like yeah i gotta find my spot up here like at this reserve for him because he's trying to be a charge." And, and then like he'll just pull up to like this you know it's like a it's a day where targets just got a bunch of moms out there like 4 p.m. on a saturday or whatever cuz we had to grab something. And he's like, "Yeah, let's go to Target real quick." I'm like, "Oh god, it's back. We're going to have to park far away." He's like, "Hold my beer." And then he'll <laughs> find like he'll like get the only open spot as the person's pulling out and he's like, "Yep." I'm like, "How did you I don't know. That's his that's his vibe. How's your life?"
1: Not bad. I feel like the I guess the thing I want to report is um I feel like I'm constantly learning now. Everything I'm doing, I'm just learning. Like there's always so much to do on my to-do is to-do list and it's all about like just like learning content and then we come here and we're learning business stuff that is so unfamiliar to me and it's not so unfamiliar to me but I'm learning and it is it's fun. I mean like I I I really just had an epiphany today where I was like, yeah, like I'm really just like constantly in a like a growth state and like that's awesome. Good. So I I don't know, like it's exhausting at times but um I'm glad I'm doing this rather than something that could be beating me down and, you know, I'm not learning anything new. There's people, plenty of people who go and do the same thing every day and aren't challenged in any type of way. So quite grateful for where I'm at.
0: Gratitude, homie. Never, you ever seen the Troy Palomalo commercial where he's like, never, ever not working.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I've seen that one.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's an ad. Every time I watch them, I'm like, I know, I know what it's like, Troy, You, you're a real one. <laughs> it, it
1: just comes from finding what you love doing and like constantly finding flow state. And I don't know, just being on top of your stuff, just you know, just trying to win at life here.
0: I never lost. Remember, uh, with <laughs> Levar, LeVar Ball, God, I'll never forget that. Besides that, um, it's been a good week for me. Chiefs won. I would say the explicit word, but we are on the free version of the podcast and the public version, so Ex- explicit, yeah, karma made me sneeze, expletive, the, the raiders, I hate the raiders, hashtag when your car breaks down. Uh, <laughs> I, I haven't heard, heard that heard one, that's they, good. Uh, well, today we're going to talk about something that we kind of alluded to a little bit before, uh, something, it's a term that I've used many times in the the podcast prior. It's about funnels. And this episode will sort of give you an idea about to take different pieces of content and turn them into different pieces of content for different stages of the funnel. And it'll really help you take these people that you don't know and turn them into clients or people who will buy your products because... It's crazy. This internet thing. It's nuts.
1: It is. It's a whole different game. This is something we kind of alluded to in the last episode of the podcast, but didn't really fully flesh out. We kind of pulled up your um what is it, Miro, your Miro board that had the funnel. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice if we tossed that into the the uh the Notion page for oh, today. I'm sure you're on oh it, but um <laughs> Yeah, this will be a good episode um kind of launching it off with um there's a video from uh what, what was her name Sunny um Help me out with the last name here. I'm missing it. <clears throat> I don't know how to say the last name, but it's Sunny
0: Lena Doozy?
1: Lena Doozy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lena Doozy. She's kind of like a marketing business online business coach and um yeah yeah, she kind of went through like these five stages of turning strangers into clients and it goes into um, a few different interesting concepts that I think we could kind of flesh out, talk about in the context of our experience and um, kind of the business we're looking to build. And so we're going to get launched into this conversation with a little Enthusiast Quote of the Week, week here with about, uh, about funnels.
0: Yeah, we love funnels. Um, funnels are my favorite. Now, uh, this quote was found just randomly on the internet, but it fits pretty contextually to what we're talking about. Funnels aren't easy to build, but they are simple to build, and you only have to build one successful one to be able to change your life. Rory Vaden. I'm assuming that's actually how their name is because, funny enough, it was an Instagram quote that had, like, a handle, so you can never guess. Like, could it, could be named uh, Rory Vaden or row revid and i don't know but people for some reason don't feel like putting spaces in between there i'm I'm not going to complain
1: no it's probably the right name rory seems like it could be a name not a name i've come across often but aside from the point um yeah this establishes kind of how i feel about funnels like not easy but once you have that general scope i think it can be very intuitive Like when we looked at your Miro board, it was like, yeah, like these are kind of the main funnels and it makes sense of like, this is how it niches down into clients, like how we go from viral content into evergreen content. Like it makes a lot of sense, but I think when you're looking at it from the outside, getting started on something, it can be really hard to imagine what is just going to be the viral stuff and what gets niched down. Because a lot of that takes identifying what you're going to niche down on also. Because it's easy to just, you know, have a shotgun approach that just, this is something that could be entertained to anybody. Just general entertainment, you know, that's, it could be pretty wide scope.
0: Yeah, uh, emphasis on wide scope there. Because it really can be, and I've actually had that exact problem starting out my YouTube channel. Uh, I think there is a lot of misconce- misconception on, Okay. Quantity of people watching your videos means something that matters. When we say the term vanity metrics, really do mean vanity metrics. I would rather be making the content I'm making and having the current amount of uh prospects come from it than have I'd say somewhere in the realm of like fifty thousand subscribers. I and mean, that's nearly ten X. I'd rather have this than having ten X and not having the um possibility from the services side of things and i mean you look at a lot of these people who have large followings we talk about here's a perfect example of it like gamer channels uh a lot of review channels that are very popular a lot of vlog channels that are very popular they don't make much and they don't really have anyone they're targeting to make much
1: right and i think that the two issues that leave them with less revenue than someone who has less subscribers, but the services is scalability and impact. I mean, a scalability. If you are just a YouTuber and all you're doing is looking for subs and likes and other vanity metrics, all you can do is get more of that. And at some yep. point, once you're doing the thing, you're like, let's take the gaming channel example, it's a fine example. Um, once you're doing the thing, you can only do it so well, and your editing can only be so good, your humor can only be so good, and your audience will only go so far. And it can get really high. I mean, you can get millions and millions of subscribers and views, but it's not going to scale as well in terms of revenue, because it's just you're just going off YouTube ads. And yep, the thing that almost comes intertwined with that is going to be impact, because... You're not going to have an individual impact on anyone. And yeah, you're bringing people like a general sense of entertainment and happiness perhaps, but you're not creating any kind of deeper connections where someone really wants to invest into you. Like, yeah, you have people that toss a couple dollars into like the Twitch chats or Discord chats, stuff like that. I mean, like it happens, right? But it's not going to ever be the same level of scalability as you can get from... Proper one-on-one coaching or group coaching or some kind of proper service
0: yeah service or or product, product that yeah. can be digitally sold yeah because digital products you know take work once and then they can be sold forever something that's a good analogy to this is graham stefan had uh, alex Ramosi on the podcast Mm. And Alex talked about the fact that Graham wasn't going towards you know a business centric thing. I mean, he even knew when he was doing a business, he wasn't even breaking even. And I think he might have actually shut down his coffee situation recently. I got to look. You know what the problem? Listen, I love you, Graham Stephan. But sometimes I don't know whether it's a clickbait title or not. Because he made a video called why we Stop making coffee. And uh, like, does that mean it was clickbait? Did you actually stop making coffee? Did you start making more things outside of just coffee? He probably started making more things outside. Of course you did. Dang it, Graham. You are such a (laughs) clickbaiter. I I go to his website and they expanded their product offering so that they could probably keep at net even. Okay, sorry. Anyways, he doesn't really make much money off the coffee. He loves it for what it is. But uh, when Alex Ramosi was on their podcast, he was talking about, you know, why don't you make? the sort of business. It doesn't have to be a product. It could be a service. I mean, we'll talk about this in this episode, but Graham Stephan, if he wanted to could sell his unique selling proposition so easily, he has such a great story of going from zero to hero that he could 1000% do anything from YouTube coaching to straight up online business coaching. I mean, he has great courses and he's done a good job of that, but he's, interesting in the sense that he is in a niche where he can make buku bucks and due to youtube cpms being so high he's able to make a lot of money don't get me wrong but it's it's a interesting delineation here we can talk about so the scalability of your earnings is obviously contextual to the market that you're in gaming the rpms on those videos are like You know, like a dollar maybe. So per thousand views, you're getting like a dollar. I'm at like six. Graham's at like fifteen, or twelve. Graham's at like twelve, right?
1: Uniquely high. Uniquely high.
0: Yeah, uniquely high. So what we're talking about here is Graham, if he had ten thousand subscribers and consistently ten thousand or a thousand views would be getting him twelve x what a gaming channel would get. So he's in a position where he doesn't really need to build a quote service business or product business as much because of that. But when you look at a lot of people that end up going more general, they end up having these low capabilities of getting earnings from just platforms and yada yada, and then they ever then never end up getting to a point where they can do it full time because they're not quite niched enough to make enough money. When you're doing personal finance videos, though, eh, it's pretty pretty good RPFs.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think that the unique selling proposition that you kind of brought up does really predicate the idea of being able to niche yourself down and create a funnel for your product or service and the different types of content that you're making. Because when you do this zero-to-hero analysis that Sony kind of talks about, like, what is the thing that you're really proud of where, like, you went from, like, doing nothing to, like, being something? Like, Dimitri, you could go about, like, World of Warcraft and now you're Productivity guru. Like you went from yeah degenerate to the, the authority yeah. in the space. And it's so when really you have a really good example. Exactly. Yeah. And so when you have a story like that that has the end place of where you're at, and then you can say, hey, you, you can get to the same end place. Look at how I did this. That not only creates the audience that you're going to kind of market yourself towards, but also says, that's how I'm going to funnel everything down. Like at the end of the day, I am all these things. I do the podcast. I do YouTube. But at the end of the day, I am a freak about getting people to be more productive. And that involves consulting and client-based work.
0: Yeah, correct. Uh, So, so that we define things more clearly. A, a unique selling proposition or USP is essentially you take your sort of skill set and you position it in a way that the market deems it as unique. So for example, uh, the analogy or example that uh, Sonny lerner used in the video was about a person who was selling their services for how to pass the nursing exam that was required for entry there. And they had a specific system where they can in a certain way nearly guarantee a success on this thing, they could pass it if they followed the system that this person had. And the unique selling proposition there is not just, "Hey, you're gonna pass the exam," which is something she talked about. So, for example, it's similar to what's going on with Rise Productive. It's like, no, I'm not just making you an Ocean Workspace. You can go on Fiverr and get an Ocean Workspace for fifty bucks. What I'm getting you is I'm getting you more time. I'm se- I'm stopping your pain points. For example. I have clients who in the lawyer field, they have a caseload of like 250 people or 250 cases open at a time. All right, let's uh, take that number and let's double it. And what this does for you, it improves your revenue exponentially. And I'm also taking the current cases that you do have and you're gonna perform them better. I'm not just here to build you a Notion workspace to organize your data. I'm here to get you to the point we're going to do even more with whatever you're doing and regardless of the software that's there. Literally, and this, this is something that maybe sounds a little backwards, right? I am an expert in the space for Notion. I, I articulate that on the call. But in every single call that I've landed, I have also said, and I quote, we never know when Notion's going to die. I don't want to be here as a Notion consultant for you. I want to be your operational lever for you to pull on to improve your efficiency for the long haul which is like why would i say on a call that notion could die because none of the other notion consultants are acknowledging on their sales calls that notion could die and they would be there for you afterwards
1: and that's part of your unique selling proposition is that you're you're familiar with the other software too and if you had to make that jump hey i have a whole youtube channel that has all these videos about all these other softwares that i'm also familiar with you want to go over True. to whatever. Just name any of them, and I'm there. We can make the switch and move this whole thing over to another place. And I think another thing that you almost alluded to there is um, the importance of the like a mission statement. It's not just saying, like you said, I'm going to go on Notion or you know type in NotionTemplates.com and like find some kind <laughs> of like you know BS template. I mean, you're not just getting a a product or you know even an individualized service, but what you're actually getting is more efficiency. Like with the example that Sonny had, the guy who passed the nursing license exam on the second try, because you only get two tries. So it is kind of a dire situation than people he's marketing mm-hmm. to. He says, not only like, yeah, well you will pass and you know, you won't have to deal with all this education you paid for not, you know, coming into fruition, but you get to do the thing that is your passion for your career. Yeah, and when you frame it that way, and your service or product is just truly means to a, a bigger end, I think that is super impactful too. And that's kind of how you get the two endpoints of your because on <laughs> in the uh, in the video she has all these like fun little graphs, and it's like a just a, a simple like you know linear graph, and it's like zero down here, and like you know. Point ten ten on a XY graph is like hero and it's like okay this is like the end point like this is truly the ultimate goal it's not to you know have this service or have this product that's somewhere along this line graph but at the end is becoming the expert just like the person that you're consulting with
0: yeah and that's something that's really cool about it and what's a very interesting analogy regarding the funnel that I want to articulate uh, is something that I just came up with and I'll come back to, but furthering down on this idea of articulating what you're giving to the person is really important. So for example, a common sales tactic that works, but is actually pretty good from a content scaling perspective and a content funneling perspective is if you imagine what your person that you're trying to market to is, your customer avatar, like we talked about before, in a content strategy, if you have the avatar figured out, and you try to invoke an emotion for them in the content and mattering on what part of the funnel they're in. You can, we'll assess that later. But what's interesting is on sales calls, people go, okay, what are your pain points? You know, like, what, what are you trying to solve with this problem? Then they'll they'll articulate it. Like for example, call today, someone said something along the lines of, uh, we're just, we're just inefficient and we're scattered. And then what you do is you ask them the question, what would happen if this wasn't solved for you and it's really powerful. Cause then they literally are like diagnosing themselves with a problem. And then you hit them with, yeah, no, I, I've solved that problem for people before. This is how I did it. I can do it for you. And if you reverse engineer that and put content in front of people who are theoretically, there's enough people. If you go, come up with that scenario, Of like, all right, how do I make content to answer that question for somebody? Like for my YouTube channel, I'm imagining that someone's coming to my channel with the problem. I have scattered systems across multiple different platforms. How do I make all these things come into one? Because if I don't, the efficiency of my business will suffer to the point of, I won't be able to grow. And when you make a video that's catered towards that, then magically when you end up having your video placed in front of the person who needs it and then you sell them on the service, it's not that hard to get them as a client.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I think negative visualization, that part of the call is just so powerful because it's not only looking at things how they are right now but it's like if this is the current trajectory that we're at where are we going to be and it's like yeah yeah Yeah. now you've created a real problem that needs to be solved because sometimes you know the value they might just get on this call and not think that yeah like you know this could be good system you know optimization could be nice but maybe i don't need it and then you really start thinking about the compounding negative effects of your current trajectory and it's like yeah this is a problem now
0: like one of our pitches somebody said something that i regret not doing it better on they said something along the lines of they were checking in on projects in multiple time zones he was checking at like two in the morning because they had one team in australian time zone another team in a time zone that was uh like seven hours before or later and or yeah before so he was you know looking at it uh sort of towards the end of the day there but at like the middle of the night for him and i really wish when he had articulated the lack of sleep that i would have said what happens if this keeps happening to you he's a little been a little delayed on responding to my um you know like hey, follow-ups because he's been talking to other people in the business about whether it's a thing but i think it could have been an, an easier sell if i had been like what happens if you keep being in the situation where you're sleep deprived and you're not at your best when you're working at the job because you're up at two in the morning checking on other people's progress on projects and by manually talking to them because that's the system you have in place. Should have done a better job of that.
1: Yeah, it's good reflection. And I think that, yeah, I think even personalizing it to things that are even outside of the business can be super important too because, I mean, that's kind of like, One of the big reasons that we talk about productivity and self-help stuff on the podcast is because we know that the alternative is so unsustainable. It's like, yeah, you could sit here and not keep your life organized, like not be on top of your schoolwork or your work life or what have you, your health. For a short period of time, like that looks like it's sustainable. It's like, yeah, you know, cutting corners, it it can work, but there comes a point where the levy breaks and it's like, yeah, this is actually not something that can keep going. And so... Having that person who's just like a lifeline right away, who says, I can hold your hand to this situation. We can build this together. That adds so much value. And these are the, this kind of segues into the, the second of the five yeah. points that Sonny was talking about. But the three thing your content needs is value, experience, and empathy. And I think when you frame that kind of neg- negative visualization, you can also bring in experience and empathy. You can say, hey, I've been there before. I've been scattered and in a sideways situation. I have experience pulling people out of these situations, including myself, including good friends, but also businesses like yours. And the amount of value they're going to get out of this is just insane.
0: It's a really good point. Yeah. Her three pronged approach for the things that your content needs is really important. I would put one step above it and something that I know I can do better in my content is storytelling. I think I do a good job of it when we're talking. But I think if I manage to do a little bit of storytelling in my productivity app videos, it could work. There's like some tricks and tips I've found from Film Booth, who's, if you have any inkling of making a YouTube channel, check out Film Booth, top tier content. And he is a, he's made some great points about like, putting in little story elements to videos, like, at the end of this video, I'm gonna show you one thing that blah, 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 and then I can do that totally with a productivity app. And all you gotta do is layer on like timelines and stories, you know, like plots. You gotta be like, by the end of this video, you're gonna see this being solved. But for now, let's, you know, talk about this and then it, it sits in the back of their mind. Then you put another storyline on and storytelling's great. I like her value point here. I like her point about experience and empathy because when you give value, it is giving the person what they're asking for. When you give experience, it validifies their interest in possibly working with you or buying your uh, template or product. And then when you do empathy, it's just an emotional thing. There's so much psychology to show that if, if you reciprocate the feelings that somebody has for somebody else, you're just going to be more agreeable to them. And it's, that little thing that can set them over the edge to convert on a sale whether that be a physical product or a service it's really crazy to me that Rise productive is almost at its three year anniversary over the years we've shared with you so much free content on how to improve your efficiencies operations and intentionality across multiple content platforms Between the podcast, newsletter, and YouTube channel, we try to give you as much free value as possible. All that we ask in return for all this free knowledge sharing is that you give us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform so that more entrepreneurs and those seeking more efficiency in their lives can find our content. These podcast reviews increase our rankings and help us reach more people who, just like you, just want to get more efficient. Thanks in advance, and now let's get back to the show.
1: Yeah, not only that, but again, going back to impact, I mean... Yeah, it's great it converts to sale, True. but like the level of reciprocity, trust, and impact yes. that that will create from that empathy is just, you know, it's priceless. LTV. LTV, baby. Go check out that, uh, that weekly pour over. <laughs> um, it's on two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> when you're working ahead like this. Um, so she talks about the three content buckets at this junction of talking about scaling the funnel. And so she says. Sonny says, "There's three types of content. You got story content, like you alluded to, value content, and proof content." And my question for you is: When we're looking at the rise productive product funnel, and we got the YouTube, the podcast, and like the blog slash like the newsletter stuff, mm-hmm. where I guess where along here are you trying to map? Cause I I see value and I can see proof a lot of times. Like you said, I don't see story as much. I see it sometimes with the YouTube though. I I will give you credit. Like your Mm. intro. Sometimes you got like a little thing going on and I think with the video editor, like reincorporating B roll into your stuff, it creates a a visual element of storytelling, even if it's not verbally there. Mm. But um, yeah, when I was watching this video, I was like, I think this channel needs more storytelling because I think it's, yeah, I think the business, excuse me, the channel, I think it needs more storytelling. And I think there's quite a bit here on the podcast, but I'm curious how we can keep getting it and where you think, how far down the funnel does the storytelling go? Because by the time we get to the evergreen stuff, should it just be, you know, high quality value, 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 or should it be some storytelling and proof in there too?
0: There's an example of proof content that I've been doing recently. Like, here's a great one. I think one of the smarter videos I made that hasn't performed very well, but if it stumbles upon a business executive, they'll, like, eat that up. There's a video called How I Automated My Notion Consulting Business. Was that beer? Mm. If if a business executive falls and stumbles (laughs) upon that, they're going to be like, uh, duh. And they'll at least check it out. You know, my services, if they're at all interested and at that part of the funnel, Uh, because it is proof content in the sense that, okay, this person is quite literally doing, solving the exact problem for themselves that I want solved for me. I think I want to get to more storytelling on the YouTube channel. And it's just a little bit difficult in the context of apps. But what I can do is maybe reincorporate some storytelling from a productivity principles perspective or business stories and stuff like that when they come up through working with clients i feel like it's a mixture of proof and storytelling there something i want to articulate really quick uh to talk about the funnel because she does a good job of talking about this in the video is that the funnel you know what is it what is necessarily a funnel from like a intent perspective which is pretty important so if you imagine a funnel where you're literally pouring like a a liquid into like a for example say you have leftover coffee and you don't want to spill it in whatever container you have you're going to put it in a funnel so that you put it in there or like whatever the the thing is so that you don't spill it uh, upon getting in there now imagine and this is an analogy or a, an example i just came up with during the podcast but imagine at the bottom of the funnel there's little bits and pieces in there you know there's like there's like uh it's not exactly it's it's more of a soup that you're pouring in than it is just straight liquid. And sometimes you need to tap the thing in order for it to go down and actually like fall through the funnel. So the reason I'm saying that is in order for somebody to get to the bottom of the funnel, it requires some massaging and the different things that you do have big taps or not. Like for example, the uh, proof content, pretty large tap. Uh, The paying for Google ads where someone's literally searching for it, huge smack to get that stuff down to the the people to the bottom of the funnel. Uh, Something to understand is you're not always going to be making content for the top or the middle or the bottom of the funnel. It's each part of it that you need to sort of work and massage in order to get people to convert. Smack that thing.
1: You got to smack that thing. Sometimes you got to get the, you know, you, you get the little poker out and you you push the stuff down. It's like, yes. don't get stuck. I, I, I like this. I think um the one thing that I actually want to push back on is you said that you're not making content for all parts of the funnel, but I think if you're making evergreen content, it's like really solid stuff. Can you not leverage that content, repurpose that content? Into something that could fall into the the Top of the, the you know the widest part of the Funnel which she calls like the viral part mm. The middle part which is like depth Which she kind of defines as like people Who are interested in your content but they never Paid and then yeah. Also giving It to the evergreen People like maybe your evergreen Content has some Elements of storytelling To it and maybe You're not giving everyone the value At the top but you just give them a little snippet, you know, like, like, oh, yeah, here's like a little storytelling part of this evergreen like video or course or whatever I made. Slap that out there on like a little YouTube video or this like a, you know, quick like dissection of that part of the course that you were yeah. talking about. Maybe as like a quick like pour over podcast episode. Mm. Put that out there. I guess it wouldn't be a pour over because that's like the it's a membership. It's already paid. One. Yeah, right. But like productive brew give that out to it for free or maybe in like the depth zone. And it kind of teases them is like, yeah, okay. Like this is kind of like the course thing. So I, I guess my ultimate point here is like you could make content that fits all three, but I guess the yes. initial intent would be for the evergreen bottom of the funnel client content.
0: This is where different repurposing comes in. Yes. Every single piece of content can be repurposed into other forms of the funnel. Like, I guess it only works inversely though. You can't make a, uh, you can't make something that's only really short and like literally it's 30 seconds and then repurpose that into stuff that will then become bottom of the funnel things. You can only work down up if that makes sense. You can only give the most to the person and sort of have the most in depth possible thing, like a long form piece of content and then you can, repurpose it into higher funnel things that will give value do good stories have the virality if if needed and then maybe bring some people back down it is fluid if you go bottom up but if you go top down it doesn't work like you can't make a new youtube short that's 30 seconds and expect (laughs) it to you know be bottom of the funnel
1: imagine that like there's like a youtube short that gets somebody hooked (laughs) And they're like, "Yeah, I'm gonna buy the product," and they sign up for this membership, and they get the exclusive content. And it's the exact same short that brought them there.
0: <laughs> this is exactly what I'm talking about. You cannot do that. <laughs> I mean, that just makes no sense whatsoever. The only exception to short stuff end up converting people is literally the ad, the ad. Well, it is but it's not. It's not really content. That's a whole uh, the, the paid marketing funnel. I guess is in this conversation, but. Not really. What we're talking about here is more the the organic content funnel.
1: Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Okay, so there's a whole other funnel. when We're talking about ad content.
0: Well, yeah, like, for example, if you get, uh, okay, so, like, with paid content, there's different levels of intent based usually off of the uh, the platform someone's on. Like uh, YouTube is a decently passive experience. So it's more like middle, top of the funnel. Uh, very top of the funnel is always going to be display ads, like banner ads, because that's the most passive type of content. Uh, people have very low intent. Uh, middle funnel is definitely social where they're, they're passively scrolling, but they do they do have a little bit of an activeness to them and they can be targeted. Very specifically, right. bottom of the okay. funnel is search because you're literally looking for the thing. So you're not going to want to buy the thing. Like, why are you just being rude and like messing up people's cost slash click the rate slash cost per click? People are rude. I'm just kidding. Uh, but like, it's very contextual to what ad you want to run hits what part of the funnel when you're doing it organically. You kind of have to do it. Just you kind of just have to make the thing cater towards the different theoretical part of the funnel. Whereas with the ads, you're literally just slapping it at the part of the funnel.
1: Yeah, that that makes sense. And you have to, right? Like you said, I mean, there's just like people are going to be at different levels of intentionality. Some people have like productivity stuff coming through, like their their TikTok algorithm. Some people yep. are straight up searching for Notion consulting stuff, maybe even Notion yep. law consulting stuff. If you really want to niche out, and there's just people at the top of the funnel that are like, they just happen to see a banner ad about Rice yep. Productive. Exactly. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this. I make that, that makes a lot of sense.
0: If I were to put a display ad up, I would expect that it brings me a lot of brand awareness, which. Here's an important thing to understand about the funnel. If if, some, if somebody ever asked you the question, well, then why doesn't you, why don't you just pay for the bottom or why don't you just make the bottom funnel stuff always? The reason is just like in the um, coffee or not the, the, what's it called? In the soup example, you know, like yeah. if you never give it the love taps, it's just going to get clogged. So if you don't give the massaging at the top and give enough brand awareness, there is a limit to the bottom of the funnel people that exist. And some people just straight up don't know that they want to be at the bottom of the funnel. So you have to massage them into it. Like nobody wants to just get sold all the time.
1: That's a good point. That's a good point. You know, I think there's actually a stronger analogy here. It's like there's a little piece of <clears throat> little piece of content you put at the bottom and it's stuck in the funnel but if you add some kind of liquid that adds a lot of pressure you know you fill that funnel all the way to the top with depth content and viral content
0: Mm.
1: that little piece at the bottom is going to finally push through and everything goes down and all of a sudden you got people that are coming in you know like does that make sense like if you fill it up the pressure will push everything down yes like okay why Uh, i'm just a, a philosophy major i love a good analogy
0: Oh, I know you do. Why did I end up, and this is a perfect example of what Sonny Laird Nadozi talked about, with eventually you want the person to become the expert or whatever. Thomas Frank made a viral Notion video, and now I am here four years later as a Notion consultant making money from it. I was at the top of the funnel. I had no idea I wanted or needed it.
1: Right, and then you got super invested. I mean, you got to the bottom of the marketing funnel where you're specifically looking for this stuff all the time.
0: 100%. Oh, fun fact. Guess what his current revenue is on his template?
1: Oh, I don't even want to know. I think, didn't it like recently drop?
0: It came out, it's been a a fair amount of time now. But uh, I don't think it's been more than a year. And uh, my buddy Danny hit me up with the the number. Hit me with it. 1.2 million.
1: That's how much net revenue he's had on that template? Yep. Dear God.
0: And we had a conversation about this because one of my friends, who's a certified Notion consultant and doesn't do Notion anymore because he's sick of it, literally was asked, by martin bamey the podcast former podcast co-host before they quit the podcast who's a coder about a formula that notion that danny made when he was making notion notion videos about recurring tasks and the very structure or the conceptual structure was in in thomas brank's ultimate brain and ultimate task template for recurring tasks that everyone touts was originally ideated by danny and hear me out and i talked with him on the call with this and he totally agreed he's like i'm like homie if it's not patented and they market better they're just gonna win and he's like yeah i'm not upset
1: oh i don't know man
0: the lawyer part of me is like it's not his product he doesn't own notion
1: he doesn't know notion but i i don't know i don't know how ip theory, works or that kind of stuff in theory anybody
0: could write the code
1: in theory anyone can write the code but it's just a medium like it's the same way that like you can make a digital piece of art and just because i used uh, adobe paint or whatever to to make it like it doesn't mean that it's not mine well, here's the important thing here to to point out there's
0: a very minimal amount of people who can code who could have who or like mess around in Notion probably that would have looked for that. A myriad of people who co- who code can make can solve that problem. Danny's not a coder. He just did it because he loved Notion. Something to articulate here, though, is that Thomas Frank has a huge organic marketing platform. And due to that, he was able to, you know, let's say in a year, amass $1.2 million in template revenue from Notion templates. Not because. He is this amazing, esoteric, god-like builder of Notion workspaces. Homie just markets well.
1: Yeah, he markets incredibly well. And his YouTube channel has a ginormous following. And when you have a ginormous following and you can get 1% or maybe even like a half percent of those people to buy your product, that turns into $1.2 million. <laughs> <laughs> and it's That's also nuts. of course.
0: It's also a very huge value add because he gives people a free ultimate. Te- people probably wonder all the time. Why would I pay for anybody's task management solution in Notion if it's not free? Thomas Frank has a insanely well built out free one. Well, that's because he wants you to buy his ultimate brain template. And of course, that's, that's why he's doing it. And it's genius. It's good. It's great marketing. Because what does this do? He has he makes it a video that's organic content. It's There's multiple different types of videos. He has top of the funnel stuff with his um, main productivity channel. He has middle of the funnel stuff with his Notion stuff. He has bottom of the funnel specific type of videos on his Notion channel. And he leads them to that. And then he has the mid and low funnel catered content in his newsletter that he will probably give tips and tricks on how to use notion or something just like i do that's how i've gotten leads a couple of my leads have literally been someone signs up for a template so they've engaged with my content so i make them lower funnel stuff and then i just value 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 story 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 proof 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 proof, subtle reference to my services and then i've gotten like three form submits from it from it so that's where you kind of you see that, that marketing genius of Thomas where he's doing it at scale and he's able to get this insane amount of money from a product he doesn't own, to be frank, and he just had his, he had a lot of time invested and he did great work with it. And honestly, last year I probably made a couple of comments about like, he's just making a Notion template. It's good that he spent that amount of time on it. It's good that he at least did the marketing plan that he did. If he had articulated that it was the marketing plan that had taken that much time, probably would have given him less flack. Still kind of think it took, he took too long to make the template, but he did it really well. And I can't say anything other than like kudos.
1: Yeah, good for him. And I'm having an epiphany currently because I'm realizing just like as a a reflection on like self-reflection on like the whole rise productive thing, we sat here for so long thinking because... Just to, to be clear, Dimitri used to make like Notion templates on Gumroad. They'd be very specific, like the, the workout calendar one and meal planner one, stuff like that. And you'd make all these free ones. You'd give a lot of free value. <coughs> and then some would be paid for, like your complete one, like the TTP method, the whole like big Notion workspace. And we would sit here and ask ourselves, people are downloading all these free ones. Why is there not more money? being spent on the paid, full-fleshed-out Notion templates that I'm making if people really find a lot of value here. It's because that's all just in the same part of the funnel. None of that is at the bottom of the funnel. You got to take that paid template and instead say, yeah, this is part of the package deal you get with you know, one-on-one calls and consulting. I just will give you this whole workspace too. Or better yet, I will make you a workspace individually. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, like we weren't, you were working laterally instead of working down the funnel because well, it, these are this, yeah. the nature of these two pieces of content was the same, but you expected different kinds of interactions, but like you're, it's the same, you know, kind of middle of the road clients or not even clients cause they're not paying for it, but <laughs> middle of the mm-hmm. road viewers who are like, yeah, like I like his YouTube channel, I'll get the free stuff, but. I don't see enough value to get the paid for stuff.
0: Here's the thing. Once I finally made an email marketing campaign with the people that I had and I did what's called a drip campaign where I found people that were already high intent and I marketed to them again, but I did it less broad and less YouTubey and more like, Hey, this is literally a story about a client. This is a story about another client. This is proof of how I took my 42,000. Like, here, I think one of my, one of the ones in my drip campaign is literally titled How Notion Makes Me Six Figures a Year. And it's a story about like, all right, I went from making, you know, entry level income to, you know, what the title says, literally due to Notion. And I think, the main articulation there is like the time savings and the improvement of of money made with the systems. And that was like the whole value pitch and someone sees that. And since they've already shown intent and interest into the content more so than just a view, they would maybe be interested in learning how to have that leap happen for themselves or in a business sense. If I, for example, an idea I've had is uh, the, the free template buys and the premium template buys should be put into two different drip campaigns. Like one should be generally more broad and and like how it is currently because it's still a little broad. The other one should just be full fledged like more bottom of the funnel content so that they can really be massaged if because they were showing more intent to be converters. like somebody bought a hundred dollar notion template yesterday, someone bought an evergreen notion workspace. I really should set up an automation. Try to get in touch with them about consulting.
1: Absolutely, man. I I, I agree. Yeah. Like, it does need to be in separate places, and not only that, but yeah, I mean, those are bottom of the funnel people. They already showed so much intent. They've come this far. Yeah, they paid a hundred bucks for. I'm a sure, maybe that's all they want. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe that's all they ever want. But it doesn't hurt that you know that they're already this far. Let's see if we can get them to that ultimate bottom of the funnel situation
0: and i gotta figure out where that source came from and this is just like advanced marketing now it's like you gotta figure out where did they come from was it from a youtube video how can you figure out okay was it because i made that zapier video is that like something that led to that and and then you sort of you you split up the amount because uh just just for context the reason like the funnel makes that shape is really important so uh, you you should probably quantity wise make I'd say the ratio of the size of the funnel should go like 70% cater towards viral, you know, eh, 60% cater towards viral, 35, no, 30% cater towards, uh, sorry, 30% yep. cater towards uh, middle and then, you know, 10% cater to the bottom. That's sort of what you should go for because contextually that's the amount of people that you're going to end up converting at those different phases and it just makes sense to, it's a really good, it's a very good look. I don't know, it, it makes a lot of sense when you look at a funnel and when it's explained to you.
1: Well, and it makes sense that only 10% of your content is evergreen, bottom of the funnel content too because that's the stuff that's exhausting. Like that is the stuff that is the like work, the, the love of your labor. And that stuff is going to take a lot more work than like, let's be real, like a YouTube video that's comparing this app and that app. Sorry, like, yeah. yes, that still takes research, it takes script and recording, but to flesh out an entire... I mean, do you remember when you made the TTP system in Notion? I remember for Good two God. weeks, it was like you were writing like the... It, it reminded me of like someone who's like writing a really complex like 300 level philosophy paper because you were sitting <laughs> on it for weeks, like conceptually, you were sitting on it for weeks. Like I
0: was pacing in my basement, like doing like holding my head, like trying to visualize how it needs to work yeah
1: yeah and that's how it goes with all these clients i'm sure i mean you're looking i I think once you niche down and like get into a better groove it'll become more intuitive but i'm sure you're kind of analyzing these situations and it's like how can i seriously just optimize for them how can i build a template that's actually going to do exactly what i need to do and like thinking about the foundation of that is just way more mentally labor intensive than anything that's at the middle or the top of the funnel. And so it's like, yeah, it's only 10%, but like in terms of time, in terms of quality, the ratios are way different.
0: Oh, 100%. That's so true. Like the the value that we'll provide for medium, I would even say lower, medium, or top of the bottom is like Skillshare courses and those take time. You know, those are things that you have to really think about. You got to put in the work for the bottom of the funnel stuff because you don't want to provide bad value at the bottom because then people get upset at the the price tag. It's a whole thing. I mean, you want to get to the point where you provide a lot of value at the top and you want to be so good that everything you say and do from like a content delivery perspective is, is like A- and then, you know, they get A-plus stuff at the bottom and they're like, yeah. If you get to the point where your top stuff is so good that it's beating out other people's mid or lower funnel stuff, you're going to get better. And th- and that's why it mattered that Thomas spent that much time on the free template.
1: Exactly. And I think this is kind of a good illustration of why getting back to like the gaming or like, you know, gaming Twitch example doesn't work as well is that the content that you have at the top typically really isn't that quality. You don't have much offer below but if your top end quality like if you're a top streaming gamer and your quality is that good people will just straight up pay for that top end quality and when your top content is so good that people would pay for it anyway even if they didn't get anything else out of it which is what happens with these top streamers they have people like donating on twitch or patreon or what have you like the, the minimalist. Like That's, that's another good example.
0: Mm-hmm. Their top end
1: content is just so high quality that people are willing to pay for it even if they didn't get anything else out of it anyway. And if you get to a place where it's like, yeah, your top content, the stuff that's free for everybody is already so good. I like you guys so much. I'd pay even if I didn't get anything out of it. And then when you toss that value, game over.
0: Game over. I mean, here's a perfect example. Alex Hormozzi made probably the best sales book of the last... 20 years in and and he released it for 1 buck. Smartest one of the smartest marketing moves I've ever seen. I mean, the whole book, I don't know how far are you into that thing?
1: Probably about halfway.
0: Yeah, and I would say after you got through the intro, it got better, right?
1: Yeah, oh my god, it got way better once I got into the yeah, you know, the, the real nuts and bolts of the thing. It was it was good. I mean, there's still some of the like that that storytelling style that i don't love but um yeah let me see here i am yeah almost exactly halfway
0: okay and would you say that it's better than it's probably the best free content for sales you've maybe ever consumed
1: yeah i mean it's just a straight up how-to like it's just it's like atomic habits because it's just straight up like list of like here's what works with like this, like with pricing or like finding clients or like, you know, making the sale, or whatever. But it's just layers on layers. Like every chapter is just like here's a couple lists or like here's a couple super key concepts that I've learned. Here's a story that backs it up. And it's super dumbed down. Like here it is. I mean the last episode on the podcast, I mean we basically just jump started it off of that part of the uh, the four-tenths of a good market, which also just yeah. came from the first half of that book.
0: I think something that's interesting is, you remember when we talked about fake gurus the other year? The reason that they die... They do. ...is because they pitch mid-tier, top-of-the-funnel stuff, mid- or low-tier on their like channels, and then they use ads to get people at the bottom of the funnel. And their courses and stuff are crap, and they're selling it for nine ninety seven That's why they don't work because they're making top of the funnel stuff and selling it for bottom of the funnel premiums
1: exactly, yeah, no one's mad that Ty Lopez is making videos about him being in his garage, yeah, people are mad because they paid nine ninety seven and they got. <laughs> Or like, I don't know, one step above him filming in his garage.
0: It, it's the main issue with, with fake gurus, and this is why Alex Sharmozy is never probably going to be called one. It's so hard to call someone a fake guru when they give you that much value in a $1 book. Like they, It's just impossible because literally the guy knows he's so good that he only is going to work with people who are already $3 million businesses, and then he's going to grow the business. The whole point of $100 million offers is not get the most amount of money out of clients. It's give the clients the most amount of value and they're gonna give you the most amount of money.
1: Exactly, it's about optimizing a business and people that are listening, no matter what level they're at.
0: If you'd like to continue listening to this conversation, you'll need to subscribe at riseproductive.com membership or on your favorite podcast app. Once you do, you'll get full-length access to these episodes of the Rise Productive podcast, as well as access to our subscriber-only podcast and newsletter, The Weekly Pour Over.